shot. Goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the Derby! Goes for a goal! Oh! And Lee Boostak! What the goal! We are... Scarves Around the Funnel, an all-new Hearts podcast, coming to you from Musselburgh and Connecticut, with me, Laurie Dunsire, current Hearts TV commentator. It's uh, my voice you'll hear screeching down your airwaves if you ever tune into Hearts games these days, and if you were tuning in a few years ago, the voice you would have heard screeching is the other man joining me, Mark Donaldson. You know what, Laurie? Um, please tell me if it's the same in in Scotland, but there's something ridiculous over here in in United States. When you look at the Premiership table, it, it shows that Hearts are top and they've got a five point lead. What what's actually happening? I mean, because that can't be true. <laughs> Forget introductions. Let's go straight in with important stuff. Hearts are are top of the table. It is crazy. It's crazy to look at. It's not something you you see too often, but it, it's you know it's. It's not a, a dream, a wonderful dream that we're just about to wake up from. Let's hope we don't have to wake up from any time soon. But Jam was top of the table. And, yeah, not something that we've seen, certainly in the top flight, since, I guess, the uh, 2005-06 era. Best start to the season in 13 years. And you find yourself quite a distance away from it. I bet you're, I bet you're jealous that you're missing out I am. on I am, but it's great to watch from afar. And... There have been a couple of, of matches that we've played so far that, have, that took me back to 05-06. And the Motherwell game was, was one of them because I've seen Hearts go behind at Tyne Castle before. We all have. I've seen Hearts fans get on top of the team. We've all done that as supporters. But I just, even when Motherwell scored in midweek, I just felt that Hearts had something, that they would come back. And even when we didn't score up until Peter Haring got the goal in the 25th minute against St. Johnston. I just thought that we're okay, we're fine. I don't like this, not nerveless outlook, but that's not what a Hearts fan is all about. Hearts fans are about being on a roller coaster and not being able to get off. And I'm sure we will be this season, but my goodness, it's nice to be on top looking down. It is. And as you mentioned, Hearts have had a, a couple of good results recently. So I guess before we get right into the uh, crux of the matter. Let's uh, listen back to what's happened over the last seven days or so for the uh, high-flying Jambos. Morrison could chip it in there. That's a great ball to find Stephen Naismith. Yes! It's Stephen McLean and the veteran striker equalises for Hearts. It could come down to John Sutter. It's on the volley and Herring yes! taps it into the back post and Hearts go 2-1 up here in the league cup. It's Peter Herring again. Feeds the ball to Michael Smith. Good ball on the right. Low into the box. Towards goal by Ollie Lee! Oh, what a finish from Ollie Lee! Curls into the left side of the goal! And he's played it forward as Stephen Naismith is up on his own. Hearts have a chance on the break. Everyone is forward from Motherwell. Naismith dashing through. Chance to wrap it up. Naismith! Hearts are going to Hampton! Stephen Naismith! 
Slices through the Motherwell defence. It's a dagger to the heart of the steel man. They are tumbling out of the Betfred Cup. And the Jambos are heading to Hamden for the first semi-final in almost five years. 23rd minute, corner from the left, and once again Oli Lee on it, curls it in with a lot of pace it's off the head of Jim, it's still in the box, Haring heads it towards goal, it's in the net! With, with, with the Perfect timing for the Austrian Arnold Jim flicked the header across the box from the Oli Lee corner, and Peter Haring, it seemed to take an eternity to reach the net, looping header back across goal, it's actually a really good header because Saints had quite a few players on the line, and it just drops into the back of the net and Peter Haring scores his second in a few days it's his fifth of the season so corner from the right which Ollie Lee will take in front of the Gorgi stand almost full today as Lee curls it in right footed done with the header it's a good one and as simple as that it's 2-0 to the Jambos and Jimmy Dunn has his first goal in Maroon he's been terrific at one end of the park defending and he showed good composure at the other end there to double the Jambos lead it's done off the mark and it's 2-0 to Craig Levine's men Hartman Lothian 2 St Johnston 0 you know the creativity we've shown in the first half and the intricate passing and the confidence it just takes a decent ball into the box and a big centre half out jumping the opposition centre half and it's as simple as that such a simple goal I'll tell you what I'll take it it's the second one and that's the one we needed so that, that was the voices of myself uh, Andrew Petrie and of course James Sanderson who made his return to Hearts TV at the weekend despite his um, shocking match programme interview a few weeks ago, if you've not seen that, then just catch my Twitter feed and you'll see it. And uh, so two terrific results for Hearts. And despite, I suppose, being kind of narrow at the weekend against St. Johnson, I think Hearts have really found some form. And I think what is really good to see is that Hearts had their first real blip of the season last weekend from when we're recording this anyway, when they drew with Livingston, which, to be honest, doesn't seem like much of a blip when we see how Livingston have done in other games. But the reaction is quite important because that's what they often say is the first test of a team who starts the season so well, is how they react to maybe a slight setback. Yeah, and when St. Johnson scored to get one back through Ross Callahan, I thought, OK, this will be interesting to see how Hearts react as well. But I want to mention the Hearts fans right now and those who have, unlike myself, been lucky enough to be at Tynecastle in their numbers, it has to be said, at the start of this season as well. We've all been there when we've had our moments and we're frustrated uh, on many occasions, but there's just some semblance of, of difference this season. And I get all the boos and I get the frustration that we didn't win against Livingston as well. And that's because the bar has been set probably falsely too high right now, because who knows where we'll end up, whether it's top or fourth or second or third. I'd be disappointed if it wasn't in the top four. But I, I just think that the Hearts fans right now, with, with, with more bums on seats comes more chance of frustration. And albeit the Livingston game was frustrating, but Hearts players have really given the fans something to cheer about. We always used to have the discussion, Laurie, in commentary, whether it was uh, myself, Gary Mackay, or whoever it was, is it up to the players to produce to get the fans on side, or is it up to the fans to get the players up for a game as well? And I think it's a bit of both, but I think you've got to have some sort of performance that the fans can get behind. And I think we've seen that. And I think since the Livingston game, 
uh, the way that Hearts have played, without Uchi Piezu as well, uh, what we've seen now, for me, is that Hearts have got a plan A and a plan B, and if necessary, a plan C, plus strength and depth. We've not had that for a while. And over those last two games, of course, 4-2 against Motherwell, 2-1 against St Johnston. Uh, looking at the stats, which you can't always take a lot from, but I think the stats do sell a bit, to tell a bit of a story with these ones. Hearts 44 attempts, 18 on target over those two games, 21 corners. They averaged 62% possession. They, of course, scored six goals. And I think what I liked most about it, Mark, and you touched on it briefly there, was with this Hearts team, which we've maybe not had for a few years, maybe not since being in the championship, but that's obviously a different level, is you just think there's so many ways that Hearts can find a a route to go and you just constantly feel like we can score at any moment now and although it was 2-1 against St Johnston I I said during commentary to Jimmy I was like, I just think we can score at any point and St Johnston don't look like they know how to deal with us, we're stretching them out wide, we're passing it well through the middle and you said there's different options I think what was really good to see from Hearts is Uchi Egpiezu who has been a target man not in terms of just lofting it long, but he's held up really well and he's been a target for crosses coming in, but he's been someone a real outball and we missed him against Livingston, but we've kind of thought thought around that and the last two games, we've played a little bit differently. We've used Stephen McLean, little touches, playing the ball out wide. We know he's not going to win everything in the air, but he's got really good close control. He's a really intelligent player and we've pushed Stephen Naismith up and I think key really is just having the likes of Mitchell and Morrison, old-fashioned style, up and down the wings, whipping crosses into the box and it's created chances and it's no surprise really that create that many chances you're going to get a few goals and that's why we've got six in the last two games and there's just something about this team which is so good to watch and I actually thought against St Johnston although it was a, a narrow win in the end I think that's possibly the best I've seen Hearts this season in terms of flowing play quick passes and just stretching the opposition and just looking like we could score at will at any point really One word in response to what you've just said adaptability and we've been able to adapt How many of the managers prior to the Livingston game, prior to Uchi Piezu being injured, would say after a game having lost or whatever to Hearts, well, we know what Hearts are about. They're a big physical side. They can be direct. We haven't done that in the last couple of games. We've played some really good football. I put out a tweet after the game. Uh, Having watched the game yesterday, uh, I loved that first half especially. I thought there was a lot of facets about Hearts that were were really good to watch. And the, they had to battle, they had to grit their teeth, they had to fight towards the end. But in that first half, I thought they were outstanding. It was the tempo, it was the pace of how quickly the ball was moved around. I've never seen anybody, not even Usain Bolt, and I know he's over in Australia trying to get a contract with Central Coast Mariners, not even he can outrun a football when it's played quickly and when it's played fast. And Hearts' crispness of passing for me, and their ability to utilise the width, and learning lessons in life after something hasn't quite gone on, and putting that into effect is something that's important. Hearts lacked width against Livingston. Now, if you remember prior to the Livingston game, Craig Levine um, said, and he was quoted as saying, I've got three or four different options, and maybe he learned from that. He learned that maybe Dimitri Mitchell isn't best on the right-hand side. Um, Maybe it's best to play him in his best position. But he learned from that. And Hearts fans over the years, uh, we've all been there. We have a fetish for misery because we've been dealt it so often as well. But 
the one negative I would say about St. Johnston, and, and it's typical being a Hearts fan and, and maybe being a human being now in, in life, is you're always looking for kind of for a negative or, or whatever. Um, Hearts should have been out of sight by half time, and Craig Levine acknowledged that as well. But I've sensed a difference, Laurie, in Craig Levine since he came back from the health issues that he had as well. There's more of a, a kind of intensity, and I, I wouldn't like to be his doctor because his doctor will be going nuts and <laughs> come on. Calm down. But listening to your commentary yesterday of the game against St Johnston, you pointed out the fact that he was he was at the edge of his technical area and he was he was really intense as well. Um, and and it was the first quote that that he gave afterwards. That I've seen him this season, and he, he was asked about a title challenge. Look, it's early. Let's not get involved in that right now. But he kind of said, "Why not?" I mean, to to me, it's like Harry Kane when he was asked prior to the World Can England win the World Cup, and he said, "Why not?" And he got pilloried for that. Craig Levine will get hammered for saying, oh, Hearts, Hearts have got a chance. It's early. I know that. But, I mean, is life not all about aiming high? And if you get that far, then good on you. If you don't, then at least you've given it a go. If he's asked, can you win the league? And he says no. I mean, it's, it's the typical, oh, well, you know what it's like. Um, if we'd scored more goals against St. John's, especially that first half, no one could have had any complaints. And the thing is, the same people who will... I suppose mock Craig Levine or whoever it might be associated with Hearts or anyone who could be, I guess, riding high above, you know, the Celtic and Rangers, the status quo. Those same people who will say, oh, why don't teams like Hearts try and go for the title? Why don't they have confidence? Why don't they say we can go and beat these teams? So I agree with you. I mean, right now, I st- you know, the realist in me would still think we're going to finish, you know, miles behind Celtic. And it could well be the case, but... There's no harm in saying, well, right now, you know, why not? We're above them. We're we're beating yeah. teams that get put in front of us. I'm not saying for a moment I think the likely outcome is Hearts will win the league, but we've seen with Leicester City, we've you know, we've seen with Atletico Madrid in Spain, or you can find plenty other examples that it only takes one team for everything to work perfectly in a season, and if the the bigger sides per se, you know, the the status quo, as I, as I mentioned, if they just don't quite come together, they have an off season, then. You know, it can be the perfect synergy of everything that that yeah. club needs. What, one thing I would say, Laurie, and I don't want to come over is, oh, he's over in the States, he's Mr. Positive and everything, because <laughs> this, country, this country is a shambles right now, an absolute mess. But the one thing I have noticed from being over here for eight years and being outside the bubble that is Scottish football and, and is Scotland, Scott, I'm so proud to be Scottish being over here. And at every possible opportunity, I talk up my homeland and, and, and it's something that I don't think people in Scotland do enough. And there is a negativity when I go back. I don't want to come back and, and kind of say everything's rosy over here. Because I tell you what, when you go to the toilet, your stuff's still brown and it still stinks, whether you're in America or, or wherever you are. But I just wish there was a bit more positivity. And from the Hearts fans, you know what? If you want to reach for the stars and you only get as far as the sky, that's pretty, pretty impressive. The one thing I want to talk to you about, and it's looking ahead, is Rangers next Sunday. Now, Rangers, by all accounts, I didn't see the game. I was doing Italian football this morning on ESPN. But I read the quotes from Steven Gerrard afterwards. He said we could be playing for a couple of days and we still wouldn't have scored. Hearts go to Ibrox, who they've not had a a decent recent record there. I remember being there in 96 behind the goal when Alan Johnson scored a hat-trick. And it's rare since then that I've seen Hearts win there. I have, but not on many occasions. Hearts need to go there and play their own game. 
They don't need to play and adapt. Oh, they're playing at Ibrox. This isn't Rangers with Ronald De Boer and Jonas Tern and Marco Negri and all these star players from years gone by. This is a current Rangers side. They're, they're all right. They're decent. They're hardworking. But let them worry about us. If we go there and we try and adapt and not play the way that we played, especially in the first half against St. Johnson, I think it will be a chance lost. For, for me, there's an analogy here. Celtic played Rangers earlier this season. Rangers went there and they were timid. And Steven Gerrard, with hindsight now, admits that was a mistake. They had a go when they went behind against Villarreal at El Madrigal. They had a go and they ended up getting something for it. If you offered me a point now for my box, yes, I would take it because it will keep Rangers um, the same distance that they are right now. But I see no reason why Hearts can't go to Ibrox, not so much have a go, but be smart and let them worry about us more than we worry about them. And 13 years ago, just over 13 years ago, seven games in the season, Hearts were top. They were five points clear. They were eight clear of Rangers. Just getting some correlation here. There's some... Some creepy things are on here because then match day eight, I don't know if you remember. Did we go to Falkirk? No, Hearts played that Rangers. That was that match day nine. That was right, so Hearts nine, Rangers. so Hearts and, played and Rangers. We, we beat them 1-0. Now, uh, was it Roman Bednar? 1-0 yes. at Tynecastle? I remember that one because the fireworks, Phil, firework fill and everything like that. And then Falkirk, we showed something. It's funny how everything comes back. I can't remember what I did last night. But that, <laughs> the start to that season mainly because it was uh, it was kind of uh, written about uh, at in great depth at a later date, and maybe a book came out as a result oh, yes. of that. But it, it, it was great to look back on that, and even now, looking at things that happened. I remember the Rangers game, and I had a weird feeling in that Rangers game, in that I, it's not a kind of, oh, no, what's going to happen? It's like, yeah, bring it on. We're a goal up. We could have scored more than that as well, and it was a comprehensive win. We went to Falkirk as well, and... I think Presley got, he certainly scored an own goal that day. He scored but three, but two in the right. He got three that day, yeah. <laughs> two, two of them were, uh, one was an own goal and two at the right end as well. And and obviously the mayhem happened and, and the thing with, I, I remember being in my flat in Edinburgh prior to the Dunfermline game and uh, you got a call saying, oh, Burley's gone. I'm like, what? And obviously that's, that's for another podcast later on. But there's just some similarities between that season and this season, but it's funny how many people I've spoken to from players from that season that still aren't sure if Hearts would have had enough. I remember being at Berwick pre-season, and I know I'm off on a tangent because I like to do that, but I like to bring <laughs> memories to Hearts fans as well. So um, ap- apologies, please forgive me for, for kind of deviating from our topics. But I remember going to Berwick on a Sunday afternoon. It was the final day of the Open. And George Burley had been at East Fife with Hearts a few days before and the day before as well, and he still wasn't sure about Julian Brellier. He didn't even watch the second half. He went to the bar at Shieldfield. And, and it was just a bit of a shambles at the time. We didn't really know what was going on. But he appreciated that Hearts back then and the players that he put together, which is a bit similar to what we've got this season, not waifs and strays by any means, but guys that had never met each other and suddenly just had this bond. And then we, we started the season and, and Burley was of the opinion that they may have won the league. He wasn't sure. Some of the players didn't think they would have had enough. But Burley knew back then Hearts had to get off to a flying start in every single game because he wasn't sure about their 90-minute fitness. They didn't need to be fit for 90 minutes because the amount of games that we were half. three goals up. <laughs> exactly. At, at, at half time we were 3-0 up in a couple of the games as well. This time around, Levine's got them so, so fit. He's got strength and depth. It's not 
as good a squad, I would say, as the one that Burley had in 05-06 that ended up winning the Cup. But I think there's a strength and depth there. And crucially, we've got a man who knows what he's doing, who's picking the team now, as opposed to when Burley left, when the team was picked by let's just say, fax machine at times. Well, just, you never know. We've, we've maybe not seen one side of Anne Budge yet. Uh, but... <laughs> Goodness. But, um... <laughs> yeah, wow. By the way, again, wh- l- l- let me digress quickly. And it's, it's very much tongue-in-cheek. So before you, well, you better hurry up if you want to put a bet on the next Dundee United manager. Every every time a manager gets sacked in Scotland, I'm, I'm, I became good friends with Robbie Nielsen from back in the day. So I sent, I sent him a text saying, fancy this, fancy that. So I sent him one saying, uh, do you fancy Tannadice or are you still happy taking the money from MK Dons? Because that, that's what stopped him being interested in a couple of jobs in the past, uh, including one in Myanmar, uh, the, the national side. Really? He says, when, <laughs> when the British government say, don't take your families there, in fact, don't go, He's like, well, I've just been offered the job. It's probably safer if I stay here. So, again, briefly, sent him a text saying, what, Tannadice or MK Don's cash? And I got a gif back of two people driving really, really quickly and smashing into roundabouts. And he goes, this is me and Jim McIntyre on our way up the M90 right now. <laughs> See if you can get there first. Um, so, again, I mentioned Robbie because, obviously, he had a big part to play in 05, 06, had that tackle in the cup final as well. But that's what I think this podcast is going to be about. We're going to look at various things that have happened. We're going to review games that have taken place. We're going to be cheerleaders when things are going well, but we're not going to be frightened to put the boot in uh, fairly when things aren't going well. But I think as well, a little look back at things that happened to Hearts in in years gone by uh, is something that I think uh, nostalgia is something that a lot of Hearts fans, a lot of football fans like. So we will not be frightened to, to look back and throw in some silly stories in our weekly podcast around the funnel. And uh, it was key that you mentioned the Rangers game because it's one of those, I wasn't up in the press box then, I was in section G with my season ticket and I recall the feeling around Tynecastle being something I'd not experienced against Mm. one half of the old firm because I remember before the game, the fireworks, the fanfare, the singing, I remember looking over to the Rangers fans who were very close to me when I was standing and it felt like the tables had turned because I remember I was accustomed, especially in that era, because I was used to, my, my first experience against Rangers and Celtic were Martin O'Neill's Celtic, Dick Advoca, um, his Rangers side. And it was basically, it was just trepidation when you, you went into the game. You were like, if we can if we can escape with a two-goal defeat, I'll probably be not too disappointed. Whereas in that game, I looked over the Rangers fans, like they look nervous. We're the ones confident. We're the ones going into this game thinking, we're going to take you on. We don't. We're not happy with even taking a point here. We want to come out and beat you. And I remember Bednar scored. It was almost like this feels like what they must feel like because usually when the opening goal goes in, it's like roll of the eyes from the Hearts fans. Well, here we go again, and it's the usual delirium, but almost the expected delirium from the old firm fans. And I thought the tables had turned then, and I've seen a little bit of that with the Craig Levine side, certainly when Celtic have come to town. But what you have mentioned about Rangers, we we haven't actually had a very good record against Rangers recently. Five without a win, and we haven't won in six Ibrox since. A certain Osman So scored a late winner in 2014. Mm. So is this a game where we need to really show... It's like you said, one thing about the Craig Levine second era, which I'll say, you probably won't mind me saying, but he he would, he just... would never hear me saying this because I doubt he's going to tune in. But away from home, we were always a little bit cautious for my liking. That seems to have changed a bit this season. So I'm very interested to see 
how he approaches next week. Because we're eight ahead of Rangers, we're five ahead yes. of the top. But a lot of Hearts fans will be thinking, the way things are just now, momentum with us, pressure on Rangers after a defeat to Livingston in a European game, which we, we don't know how that's going to go, but certainly it'll take some energy out of them. Should we be going to Ibrox and thinking, well, let's not just set up, set up shop for getting a point. Let's let's go for three and extend the lead at the top, or at least our lead over them, while we have the, the momentum. I, I gave a, a, a ridiculous one of many comment about 10 minutes ago about aiming for the stars and reaching for the sky. If you go to Ibrox and, and go for a point, that's not even aiming for the sky. That's like kind of, that's what we've done in the past. And it's like through the front door, through the marble staircase, into the changing room, onto the pitch, roll over, get your tummies tickled, get a point if you're lucky, and then go back to the bus, probably with zero points. Done that too often. Been there, done that, worn the T-shirt. Don't want to do it again. Go there. Aim for three. If we get a point, you know what? I can, here's something. I can see Hearts playing well next week, maybe getting a point. Craig Levine saying, in days gone by, I would have bitten your hand off for a point. I'm disappointed to only get a point now. Now, that might not happen. We might lose. We might win. But I think this is a new mentality of... And do you know what else is, is for me, interesting this season? And it was very similar to 05-06, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more comparisons as we go along. Um, in 05-06, there were very few scars of any of the players. They hadn't been there before. They hadn't experienced that disappointment. And that's why I think um, in sport and uh, in life to an extent, there's a confidence among youths um, of a certain age who maybe haven't been there before and haven't felt that disappointment of going to Ibrox or whatever. And I think it's the same with Hearts. A lot of these players have never played at Ibrox before. A lot of these players have never experienced defeat at Ibrox before. A lot of these players don't know about the Rangers of the past and how going to Ibrox was always a concern. Let's just go there with that kind of, um, not that inexperience, but that kind of lack of scars from previous disappointments there. I mean, the 0506 season, it's funny, I want to get one thing in about that before, obviously, we talk about other things. And uh, again, I'm deviating because I like to do that quite a lot. And I'm a nightmare when it comes to trying to edit your podcast. But hey, that's not my job. <laughs> That's your job. Half-time, Roman Bednar ran the Middlesbrough defence absolutely ragged. It was a midweek night at Tynecastle. It was a friendly. Over 15,000 were there against Middlesbrough. And he was playing as a trialist, Roman Bednar. <laughs> and I just remember, speaking to Burley and various others at a later date, they were like, Phew, there was no way he was getting any more than 45 minutes. We knew there were scouts in the stand. We knew how well he played. And him and Pospisil and Scatchell were absolutely outstanding. And he was only 22 at the time, Roman Bednar. And by the way, that was a team that contained the likes of Sebastian Schemmel and whatever. And it was no surprise he played a bit longer, Schemmel, than the likes of Roman Bednar. But Bednar came to Tynecastle and set the place alight. And maybe differently, but Uchi Ekpiezu has done that this season. These are guys who Hearts then was, was a step up for, for these players as is Hearts now for Oli Lee and for Uciek Piezu. These are guys that don't want to spend the rest of their career at Tynecastle. They don't want to look back with their kids in later life and say, yeah, I managed to play for Hearts. These guys want to play at the highest level at the English Premier League. And you know what? If they get there, it's because they've been successful at Tynecastle. So hopefully Uche is back um, for next week because we've got a full week now to, to prepare for that game. But I think the outlook that he has and many others is like, 
hey, we're going through to get all three points. We're not going through to go through the front door, to go past the marble staircase, to go into the changing room, to go out the tunnel, to lie on our backs, to get our tummies tickled. We're going there to get three points. One thing I wanted to mention was death, because we're talking about 0506, and I think you're right. I don't think there's any debate that that first 11 that Hearts had was fantastic, and the current team isn't near that quality. I don't think anyone could really argue that when you look at Craig Gordon, Fisas, Hartley, uh, Jankowskis, Bednar, Skatchel. But depth, I, that's one thing that I always think Hearts would have been caught out with even if Burley had stayed and things hadn't gone haywire with who's picking the team, etc. But you look at the bench and you look at that game against Rangers at Hearts 1-1-0, deservedly 1-1-0 with that Bednar goal. And the backup, the subs who came on were Jamie McAllister... 18-year-old Lee Wallace and Stephen Simmons. The other options were 33-year-old Stevie Banks, he had Chesnowskis, he had 20-year-old Christoph Berra, who'd barely really played in the first team at that point, and 18-year-old Callum Elliott. Options were pretty few and far between after that first 11. Now, if you look at the, the squad, Mark, I mean, we're, we're maybe not talking that kind of level of the Fisas, Jankowskis, Bednars in the starting 11, but goalkeeper... Slamal goes out, you've got an Irish international as backup, you've got a couple of youngsters, Godinho and Brandon, to back up fullback and Michael Smith. Even with Christoph Berra out, we've got what, four centre-backs with plenty of experience, Suter, Dunn, Dicamona, Hughes, Haring if needed, Garucho and Mitchell can both play left-back, you've got the likes of Bozanic not getting a start, Cochrane to come back, Sean Clare, who was possibly going to go to the English Premier League, he's now still to get match fit and play. Up front, you've still got Whiten to maybe come in, someone who we've paid a couple hundred thousand for. Um, Uche's out injured. The squad has a bit more depth, and I, I'm trying to remember the last time, maybe it's going to be the 70-odd first-team players in the later Lithuanian years at Hearts. But I can't think of many times we've had this amount of depth. And that was that was a ridiculous time, because sometimes you had 30 players who you'd, you'd barely seen. But can you think of a time where we've had that sort of depth when it's been, I suppose, not the crazy Romanov last few years where he started signing everyone he could? No, I can't. And I think when you talk about strength and depth, you talk about a player who could come in to replace what he is or what's going out and not weaken the side. And I worried when, a lot, of course, like everyone else did, when Christoph went down and, and obviously he's out for a few months, but... Jimmy Dunn's come in. I'm, I'm just surprised, given the number of chances that he's had, that it's taken him this long to, to, to get his goal. Uh, I don't think it's long for Callum Morrison as well, who, for me, has just been the star of this season, the kind of unheralded star that offers you so much. And I just love watching Callum Morrison. One of my favourite Hearts players when he's on his game, and he's just a baby, is Anthony McDonald, because he's yeah. just a class above in that, uh, in that midfield of, of players his similar age. And he can't even get a, a sniff of game time right now. I know he was an unused sub against St. Johnson. But it's funny, you, you were talking about the bench um, for that game against Rangers back in the day uh, in September 2005 and the subsequent kind of squad numbers that Hearts had. If you ever look at the Hearts dugout, you'll see the wonderful Gogs, um, the kit man. <laughs> now, Gogs is a bit like me. There's, a, there's an element of rearranging the deck chairs and the Titanic when it comes to the hair on the head. You know it's going to go soon, but you still desperately try to cling on and, and, and you do what you can while you can. I remember Gogs lost a lot of hair that year when he had to put numbers upwards of 80. I mean, he was like a bingo caller back in the day, <laughs> Gogs. 
I remember going in to see him one day at uh, up at Rickerton, parked in the walled garden, walked through. And I was like, you know what? I mean, we've heard the phrase a Chinese laundry. It was like that. There was stuff hanging on doors and whatever. I said, what's going on in here? And he basically said, look, I've got no more room. It's ridiculous. I've got to ask some players when they come in, what's your name and what's your number? And he had a list of all the players. And, and there was probably a Brazilian rainforest that had to be chopped down for the amount of paper that was required for everybody's... You know what it's like when you go in a kit room. If you've ever been in one, there's the... It's not just the first-team kit. There's the training kit. There's different sets. There's pants, socks, everything. Goodness me, there was no room whatsoever in there. But that was like waifs and strays and competition winners and people in the back of potato lorries that were coming over and tomato lorries and wanting a game. And it was... It was Mr. Romanov deciding, you know what, because Lithuania is now in the EU, I can bring all the people over and I can sell them for millions and I can make fortunes. It worked with one player from Lithuania, Andreas Velitska. And that was great. We got a million for him. Um, I think he went off to Norway or, or whatever and obviously came back to Rangers. And, and it, it was good times. But I think what we have now is we have someone in charge um, who knows what he's doing. He's done it at Dundee United as far as the director of football and managers concerned. He's made mistakes. He's been at Scotland. He's learned there as well. But he's got a passion. He's got a passion that Hearts fans can re really relate to. And you know what the key is as well, Laurie? He relates to Hearts fans because he's one of us. And you know what? Whatever happens this season, I think, and funnily enough, we, we actually did a, a test run of this uh, show. And I want to, there's something I said during that test show in the midweek after we'd beaten Motherwell in the cup that I want to say um, again right now as, as far as whatever happens um, this season. I don't want Hearts fans next summer doing the whole what if. If only we'd done this and, and what happens if we got those points against Livingston. I want Hearts fans to think about it from a Hearts fans perspective. I don't want them to look back and go, I wish I'd given them more support then and, or I wish I hadn't booed. Hearts fans have got just as much of an opportunity as the players right now to buy into this. So many have. And it's an opportunity now for Hearts fans, as they have been doing, to their utmost credit, not getting on the backs of the teams too much. We're all frustrated and things aren't going to go right all the time. Don't get me wrong. But when things aren't going that well, Instead of moaning and groaning, which we all like to do, we've all been there, and I'm, I'm not being hypocritical saying this because I wish I'd done it now looking back. I don't want to be in that predicament at the end of the season where Hearts fans look back and go, I wish I'd given up a little bit more support that day instead of getting on their backs. Because Tynecastle can be a really tough place to play for the opposition, but when things aren't going well, it can be a tough place to play for the Hearts players as well. So get behind the team. As Scott Wilson says, get right behind the team and make some noise, because just think of yourself, when you're sat in that chair the next time you're at Tynecastle after Ibrox, think about those of us over here and whatever that would do anything to be there. We love watching on Hearts TV, but we don't get the opportunity to be there uh, for various reasons. So we would love to swap places with you, so do us a favour, give them as big a cheer as you can, get behind the team, and who knows where it will lead to. But as I said, in Believe back in the day, Hearts that season was a roller coaster, which not only you didn't have a chance to get off the roller coaster, you didn't really want to get off the roller coaster. Enjoy it this season, because who knows where it could lead. We hope the roller coaster will lead us to glory in whatever form it is. Of course, Hearts in 
a semi-final for the League Cup. They're top of the league and we'll have that Scottish Cup to come later in the season. Uh, this is the first episode of the Scarves around the funnel. So we are testing the water a little bit, Mark. And I think there's some things that we'll look at as we go on, but we're keen to hear from anyone who's tuning in. We hope at least two or three people do, even if it is just um, a couple of mates who we make, um, <laughs> we force to listen to it. But if you do have any ideas, if anything pops to mind that you want us to talk about, Mark's obviously been around the club in a, a few years ago, so there might be some things from 05, 06, from earlier than that, that we might want to hear Mark's views on from sort of inside the club. I've been around the last couple of years, so if you want to hear about anything recently, about how much nonsense Jamie Sanderson spouts, even when he's off air, then I'm your man to ask about that. But Mark, you said something, I'm going to go back to the test episode but you said something was quite good and it was to do with the name well, of the <laughs> I know it, it doesn't happen very often so no it doesn't I have to highlight it but scarves around the funnel I, I'm mm-hmm. not going to explain what, what that is in reference to because if, if you're a Hearts fan tuning in you will know but you mentioned something that we'd like to hear from Hearts fans about when it comes to the song which obviously we've taken the line <laughs> from yeah it's funny because I was doing talk sport extra time on Tuesday night uh, with Adam Catterall like I do most weeks, either that or the two mics. And he, he mentioned, I believe you've got a new podcast coming out. I said, yeah, it's called Scarce Around the Funnel. And he's like, it's called what? What's it about? Is it about boating? I was like, come on now, behave. I said, no, it's, it's part of the Hearts European song, uh, Scarce Around the Funnel. And I went on to say things. And he's like, oh, how does the song go? And I was like, well, I'm not going to sing it to you because I can't sing. But it's to the tune of my way. And I gave him a couple of lyrics. And then it wasn't until I was reading out some of the lyrics about Paolo Rossi, and uh, Marco Tardelli that I thought to myself, you know what, this this could be doing with a bit of an update. Um, so we're looking for suggestions, um, and I'm sure Laurie can inundate you or tell you about how you get in touch. We're looking for more up-to-date players uh, that would fit into the European song that Hearts have. That means we don't have to reference, and it'll always be uh, Rossi, uh, Boniek, and Tardelli or Altabelli, depending on what era you're, you're from as well. We've all, as I said to him, I'm sure everybody's played in South Morocco at one time, having never played in South Morocco with the greatest game in history being the game on New Year's Day. But the specifics were, if anybody can come up with names that are better suited to the Hearts European song without having to go back to the mid-80s and Italian and Polish superstars back in the day in Serie A, we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, you can get in touch with us. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Around the Funnel. You can visit the website, which is just www.scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. And if you want to just email us, it's podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. So a bit of a mouthful to get out there, but I'm sure you'll be able to manage to get in touch with us in some form if you do have any ideas for that. I'm sure we'll have other bits of feedback we ask for, or um, bits of homework, you might want to call it, throughout the season. Uh, this has been the first episode, so as I say, work in progress. It's a, a pilot episode. Uh, I'm sure we'll tidy things up as we go. It's been a bit of a, a random chat because we obviously haven't been doing this from the start of the season. We've not been focusing on one game or two games too much, but as we go on, we'll have, I guess, one game or max two games a week, which will put a bit more focus on uh, as we do this on, I think, a weekly basis, Mark. Will that work for you? Without a doubt, yeah. And feel free to get in touch. Any praise which is unlikely, but still we'll, we'll take it, but mainly constructive criticism as well. Anything you want to see, as I say, I love earlier a bit of nostalgia. 
I'm happy to look back on anything uh, going back. I'll leave you with this one thing. All right, and he- here's your homework for next week. I mentioned earlier about the Bednar cameo appearance against Middlesbrough when he came off at half time. And I'll not ask you who replaced him because it was Arturis Rimkevicius. But all I will say is there was one player on the bench that day who came on for the wonderful Rudy Scatchel. Now, if you can remember it without going on Google or cheating or London Hearts, whatever, then you have my utmost admiration. Who was the player that came on for Rudy Scatchel in that first pre-season Tynecastle friendly in July 05? And what is he up to these days? There's your homework for next week. Without checking Google, that is tricky because I have no idea. We'll see if anyone remembers. I'm not. I'm not sure I've ever heard of him. I mean, he he did play in total ten times for Hearts and started four games, but I honestly can't remember him. So if you know who he is and if you know what he's up to, then then please let us know. So the player who came on for Rudy Scatchel without checking London Hearts because it's easy that way. But even if you get it, what's he up to now? the guy that came on for Rudy Scatchel against Middlesbrough at Tynecastle when Bednar had that 45-minute cameo back in July 2005. I told you it'd be random. This ain't scripted. This is just bizarre, random. Hopefully it's fun, and hopefully you've enjoyed our first pilot episode of Around the Funnel podcast. And we will talk about whoever that player is. I genuinely don't know right now. Next week, hopefully someone does get it without cheating and even if they do cheat we'll still chat about it because it's it's random and that's what that's often what works uh, but yeah thanks for tuning in you can get us on itunes just search scarves around the funnel as i mentioned you'll get the info on the website and twitter handle that i've already went over but yeah thanks for tuning in and mark and myself will be back next week after hearts have visited ibrox and let's hope that lead at the top is still five points and possibly even more So from both of us, uh, goodbye.